Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Tell him, tell him tonight, tell him. Tell him, tell him. Remind your soul. Remind every demon in hell. Come on, church. Come on, church. Don't get shy on me now. Remind him. Come on. steal our praise forgive us when we let our praise be stolen when we relinquish and we relent to another it's good friday lord we keep our heart on you solely on you solely on you god solely on you god solely on you god what a beautiful moment do you love Lord Jesus? Do you know that Lord Jesus loves you? Have you tasted and seen his goodness? No, I'm asking. That's not rhetorical. Have you tasted and seen his goodness? We're going to continue with this moment, but you can have a seat for a few and we'll let our amazing worship team rest for a second but tonight we're we're doing something a little different than a Sunday because praise God for two years now we've had our own building so we can do whatever we want but tonight don't worry about taking notes tonight this isn't so much a 
prepared message as it is a moment of remembrance a moment of stripping back everything that's come before this moment a moment of relinquishing how your week has been, of relinquishing what your bank account looks like, relinquishing the past hurts from boyfriends or girlfriends or husbands or wives or whatever offenses have been made towards you, whatever has been repopulating your mind this week. This is a moment where we get outside of ourselves we take our thoughts captive, and friends, I'm going to invite you right now. Would you come with me? Would you come with me? Would you join your mind with mine? And would you cast your mind to Calvary tonight? Would you cast your mind to Calvary tonight? To that hill, to Golgotha, to the land of skull, of desolation, of death. Would you cast your mind to Calvary with me? Because there is a name. There is a name and it's Jesus, 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 Jesus. Somebody help me say it. Jesus. It's Jesus. And this Jesus is the single most praiseworthy name in all of the universe. This name Jesus is the only one on the earth and in the heavens above and hell below that is worthy of praise, adoration, power, and glory forever. Amen? Amen. This name Jesus is the single most loved name in the world while also being simultaneously the single most despised name in all of the world. This name Jesus is the single most powerful name in all of the universe. This name Jesus is also potentially the least called upon name in times of trouble in all the universe. This name Jesus is the single most misunderstood name in history while also being the single most complex name in all of history. Not because in Jesus' day and age as he walked the earth as the lamb, that it was not common, it certainly was. But it's the single most powerful name in all of the universe because of who chose to put that Jesus skin on, who chose to leave heaven, who chose to come and live, die, and walk among us to show us what a resurrection life could look like, what a relationship with the God of the universe in perfect harmony underneath the compulsion of the Holy Spirit and in total submission to the Word of God could produce in the earth. This is Jesus. Cast your mind to Calvary. Take yourself there. Take yourself to that moment because this Jesus, this Good Friday, this, this moment we're in right now of remembrance is so much more than, in fact, I have a little bit of a bone to pick. I feel like Good Friday is so overlooked. I feel like Good Friday, out of all the Easter celebration, is 
so overlooked and we say silly things like it's called Good Friday even though it was a dark day because good news is coming on Sunday. And while it's true, and while I affirm that, and while yes, the resurrection gives all of the life and validity to the cross and crucifixion of Jesus, absolutely. We cannot be so quick to move past the shedding of the innocent blood that took place for you and I. Because it's only by the blood that we experience the resurrection life. I said it's only by the blood we experience the resurrection life. And I believe we live in a time and place right now where too many Christians. That's what Good Friday's about, right? His children coming together to remember what our Father did, handing over His Son for you and I, so that the one Son could be slain, so there could be many sons and many daughters. Amen. Cast your mind to Calvary. Because friends, there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And if you would go with me all the way back to Genesis 1, and it says in the beginning there was God the Father, and with God was God the Word, and the Spirit of God hovered above the earth. You see, God, three and one, one and three, perfect harmony. He decided that angels that were in servitude to him, angels that one-third rebelled against him, these other celestial beings and principalities and dark places, this, this wasn't enough. You see, see, God wanted a friend. God wanted sons. God wanted daughters. God wanted fellowship. And so God, in his desire for relationship, he spoke to himself and he made man, woman, in his image and likeness. And then this man, woman, in his image and likeness, they had an intimate, close, bless you, relationship. with Father God. And you see, one of the things that makes Good Friday so good is when you take a step back and you realize just how badly we, me, you have messed it all up. You see, this man, this woman, Adam and Eve, they experience this amazing love, closeness, intimacy with God the Father that is available entirely to you and I today by way of the Holy Spirit, by the way. But how many of you know it's not true, pure, holy love if you had no choice in the matter? You see, this good, true, pure, and holy love, it could not be forced. It could only be chosen and desired. And so God made a rule. God's law is good. Amen? 
It needs to be said tonight, God's law is good and God's law is good for everybody. Whether you are following Jesus yet or not, how God says to live is good. You see, God's law is good always because God's love always leads you to life and leads you away from death. I said God's law is good because it always leads you and I away from death and leads us only into further life. And the reason that's important is because Adam and Eve, well, when faced with temptation, when faced with the moments to exist in God's love of choosing and desiring to continue on in that love and in his ways and in how he designed their relationship, they decided to choose another's ways in a relationship with another, in another's design and all of creation fell into chaos, disorder, death, and sin. And it was in that moment that creation itself, men and women alike, that we fell. We fell out of divine relationship, love, and intimacy with our very own creator who made us in his image and likeness. See, he did not make us to be sinful. He did, not, he did not make us to live out a perpetual life of chaos and disorder, of choices that would ultimately every time lead us further and further away from him. That was not how he designed it. That was not his plan. But love cannot be forced. It has to be a choice. And he made the choice to love us so much that we could ultimately choose not to love him back. God's been sacrificing for our love for a long time. Well, if you go further into Scripture, you'll find in the New Testament that there was this lamb. There was this lamb. And the good book records this lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth that the Lord Jesus who was what? The Word of God was with God and we know from the Gospel of John that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Are you seeing the great narrative? Are you seeing the grand drama? Are you seeing the play that's happening before our minds? God is telling a cosmic story of rescuing his image, of redeeming his image, of resurrecting his image. And Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. Because we've wronged and we've sinned and we've moved away from him. And there is no remission, there is no resuscitation, there is no coming back from that kind of sin, sinning against God, sinning against one another, and sinning against ourselves. The human is corrupt, he is broken, she is confused, and we live in perpetual disorder and chaos. And the Lamb decided before you ever sinned, 
he would be slain so that whosoever somebody say whosoever so that whosoever God so loved the world that whosoever might 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 call upon the name of the Lord and believe in his heart and confess with his lips shall be saved cast your mind to Calvary friends I came tonight to tell you the blood of Jesus is enough for you. The blood of Jesus is enough for you. The blood of Jesus is enough for you. Pastor Matt, how do you know that? Because the blood of Jesus is enough for you. It's enough for me because the blood of Jesus was enough for God. There was one lamb, one in the earth, one above it, one in heaven, one above, who knew, who knew, who knew. He was one that was worthy. That the one who has never sinned can become the sacrifice for many. That the one had enough blood that was so deep, so rich, so important, and so powerful, so blameless, innocent. That it can cover every shame, every burden, every brokenness that you and I experience this side of heaven. The blood of Jesus is enough for a broken body. The blood of Jesus is enough for a broken mind. The name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, is enough for a broken sexuality. The name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, is enough. He's enough for every single thing that sin has plagued in your life. The blood of Jesus is enough. Cast your mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and he died for me there on that cross. Cast your mind to Calvary. You see, the cross, the cross is the greatest example of God's hate for sin in God's greatest example of God's love for you. See, the cross is the evidence of God's hate for sin, but the Christ is God's evidence of his love for you. The cross is the evidence of God's hate for sin, but the Christ is God's evidence of his love for you. Do you believe it tonight? His blood is enough. His blood is enough. His blood is enough. It's enough for the broken world we find ourselves in. It's enough for what Gen Z is being raised in. It's enough, it's enough, it's enough. You see, the reason this is God's evidence the cross is God's evidence of his hate for sin is because holiness, which he is emphatically, entirely. Holiness shares no table with sin. Shares no space with sin. So there had to be a way where God's sons and God's daughters could come home and they could come home clean. 
They could come home whole. They could come home righteous. Most importantly, they could come home and be made like him again. The cross is the evidence of God's hate for sin, but the Christ, praise him, praise him, praise him. The Christ is God's evidence of his love for you. The one who knew no sin, the Bible records, became sin. He didn't just have sin on that cross committed against him, but he took on sin. He became sin. He enveloped it, engulfed it, brought it all into himself. And while doing that, he overcame it. He put sin in a grave when sin causes us to go in a grave. Amen. Cast your mind to Calvary. Because there, there, there is a man from Galilee. There, there is a man from Jerusalem. There, there is a man from Nazareth. There is a man, fully God, fully man, who fully and willfully gave of himself and his life for you and me. And I'm going to read a portion of scripture in just a second, but I need the setup for you to understand how innocent he is, how blameful we are. And yet we, we are the recipients of the greatest blood, the greatest reward, the greatest freedom that can be found on this earth. Today, friends, I need you to leave here fully convinced and completely persuaded that the blood of Christ is more than enough for you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've seen, no matter what's been done towards you, and no matter what will happen towards you, and no matter what takes place in this world on our way to heaven or heaven's way to us, the blood is enough. Cast your mind to Calvary. See in Matthew 27, verse 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters. And they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him. And they put a scarlet robe on him, twisting together a crown of thorns. And they pressed it into his head. They put a reed on his right hand, kneeling before him. They mocked him, saying, Hail to the King of Jews. And they spit on him. And they took the reed and they struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and they put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon, by the name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they came to this place, Golgotha, the place of a skull, 
They offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. They were taking bets on the very Savior. His clothes ripped, torn, shredded, dressed in blood. They were gambling for mementos that they will keep for sheer mockery. Then they sat down and kept watch over him. And over his head they put the charge against him which said, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And the two robbers who were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, how about you come down off that cross? So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders, they mocked him, saying, He saved so many others, yet he cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we, well, I guess we'll believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. What's amazing about these high priests in this moment is they said, if God desires him, let God save him. What they failed to realize is that God desired them. So he sacrificed Jesus. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now, now from the sixth hour there was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lema Sabachiani. Translation, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it, they go, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink. But others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will actually come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit, gave his spirit, behold his spirit, gave it back unto God. And in this moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to the bottom while the Lord made an emphatic statement. The earth shook and the rocks were split in the tomb. The tombs were all open and many of the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. And when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earth take, saw the wonders, saw what took place. They were filled with awe and they said, truly, 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 this was the Son of God.
my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was forsaken so you could be ransomed. Jesus was forsaken so you could be forgiven. Jesus was abandoned so that you and I could be anointed sons and daughters of the Most High God. Cast your mind to Calvary. You see, as we went into Holy Week, all I could think about was this moment of torture, this moment of excruciating pain, of a penalty that I, and Matt McClure, am acutely aware of that I deserve. I have sinned. I have fallen short. I have sinned against God, sinned against others, sinned against my wife. I've sinned against myself, and I am in desperate need of this man from Calvary. And when I think about how they laced him up, how they dressed him up, how they shoved a crown of horns that they, they took all the time to make, as thorny, as prickly, as piercing, as painful as possible, the sheer mockery that they made of the one who is the least deserving to be mocked and the most deserving to be praised. as we went into Holy Week, I just kept thinking about my Jesus, my precious Jesus, who has never, ever sinned and certainly hasn't committed the ones that I have, and yet He had this rose head nail driven through his hands, driven through his feet, thorns pressed into his head, forced to carry a cross as such, whipped upon his back, lash on lash on lash. And one final blow to his body as he stuck there. pressed up on that cross by these nails as an example of shame. And yet, the nails that were intended to hold him upon that cross for shame are the very hands that still have scars in them today as he rules and reigns above it all. In those same nail-pierced hands, he holds, friends, the keys to life, death, sin, hell, and the grave. 
in those nail-pierced hands, friends. He holds you. He guides you. He leads you. And the price he paid for you is always right there with you, reminding you. See, the cross was the evidence of hate for your sin, but Christ in the hands, those nail-pierced hands that comfort you, those nail-pierced hands that guide you, those nail-pierced hands that lift your head, those nail-pierced hands that provide for you, those nail-pierced hands that take you along with him and show you what you were made for. They remind you of his great love for you and his great love for humanity. Amen. In just a moment, would you stand? In just a moment, we're going to continue singing to this wonderful, merciful King Jesus. But as we went into Holy Week, all I could think about, all I could concentrate on, God, He's so worthy. Because for all the times I deserve to have this driven through my body, I deserve to be shamed and scorned. I deserved to pay the penalty for my sin. I get to look upon the scars on His head, the whips on His back, the holes in his hands and his feet as he leads me and guides me and walks with me. I get to look at my precious Jesus and know that I get to live the life that God desired for his one and only son because it's no longer I that live but Christ that now lives through me. Amen. So what I want to do is this. We'll get to resurrection. We'll get to all of that on Sunday. That's what Easter Sunday is for. Good Friday. Good Friday is to celebrate a penalty being paid, a debt being covered that you and I could never have done. You see, the blood of Jesus, it doesn't just cover sins. It calls you out of sin. He covers you and He calls you. He doesn't just rescue you. He redeems you. Amen? He doesn't just resuscitate a dead body and then lead you on to lead a dead life. No, he resurrects a dead body and leads you into further resurrection life. His blood is enough. So as we sing this song, team, maybe we could just keep it low and intimate before we go into all hail King Jesus. I feel the desperate call in this room right now to enter into what I can only describe as a solemn assembly, a sacred moment. And what I want to do is this, I want to invite you, if you want to come forward and you want to kneel, you want to worship up here, you want to sit, you can stay where you are, whatever you like. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to pass these out. And I want to give you the opportunity 
to hold in your hand. Nails in the image and likeness like those that were driven through our precious Jesus. And we can sit and we can ruminate and we can think upon Calvary. We can think upon Golgotha. We can look at the rosehead nails driven through our Savior and we can praise Him. We can take this deep into the insides of us, to the deepest parts of us, and we can feel these nails. We can see the weight. We can see the sharp. We can see the debt that was paid that God in His grace and mercy towards us lay down his son to cover so don't just take it and pass it along right away but take it feel it think about it let's have a sacred reverent moment a solemn assembly before lord jesus and we think about the price that was paid for you and I, and then we will finish this night with the loudest, most extreme, crazy praise we can muster up because, friends, we, we've been saved and we've been redeemed by the one Lamb who was worthy. Amen. Zach, could you just begin to pass these out in a couple different sections? So right now, we're going to have a solemn assembly. You can sit, you can come forward. And at the end of service, we also have a warmed up baptismal. If anybody's feeling like today's your day, we will also have it Sunday. But right now, I invite you to cast your mind to Calvary. I invite you to look at those nails, to feel those nails. Careful, they are sharp. And I invite you to begin to just to have a deep inward praise for him, a deep gratitude, a great thanksgiving, something on the inside of you that just clicks and you realize, wow, this is real. Jesus is real. Sin is real. The debt was real. And I could have never really have paid it. But thank God, thank God, thank God that there was a lamb found worthy. Amen. Amen. So worship team, would you begin to lead us in this moment of thinking, of casting our minds to Calvary. And then when you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit, would you just lead us in a amazing praise and church I expect you to respond because this is Good Friday and you're not here for some religious check mark you could be at the bars but instead you decided you're going to be here praising the one who is rescued from a life of a bar stool amen then let's praise him let's worship him and let's think upon Calvary